Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 stuck in the floorboards here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. I'm Phyllis Gove. And back with us, Jordan Cruciola. It's so great to have you, Jordan. I am so happy to be back with you guys, of course. I, I mean, we started with the most rambunctious possible scenario to, to have me meet you guys and have me be on this show. Yeah. So we've, we've broken it in. We've, yeah. we've broken yeah. it in. hundred percent. Yeah. This is going to be pretty rambunctious. I got to tell you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real Polanski head. So 
I, a I bold will, admission in 2020. No, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a joke. It's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say, though, that like, I didn't know when we came into uh, General's Daughter what we were coming into. I mean, I, I, you know, Kenny and I both watched the film. Both of us Ooh. had our issues. Anyone who's listened to the Ooh. episode, listen to the episode. Yeah. It's a great episode. Um, it, it's it a is, movie mostly lost to time, though. Like, 100%. it doesn't get trotted really out. Yes. yes. 100%. Yes. And, and you came out with the hottest take and just really just, you know, came out guns blazing. <laughs> yeah. Then I sat down to watch this film, unfortunately, for the third time in my life. <laughs> Second for me. Second for me. Um, I saw it in the theater. Kenny and I uh, planned on doing the Ninth Gate about three years ago, and that didn't happen. So we watched it again, obviously, before this episode. Um, I am very excited to hear what you think about this movie, because I don't know if you're (laughs) going to defend this film or not. I I, No, and I have been really, I've been like, what are they going to (laughs) say? What is this conversation going to be? Like, it could go. Yeah, many so many different directions yeah, and sure. i don't i have no idea i have no idea which one it's going to take it's kind of like the movie itself quite frankly like uh, I, and, and i say that in the sense yeah. that like you know i texted kenny i don't know two two uh two-thirds of the way through this and i was just like this movie's interminable like it's 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 unbelievably feels very long mm-hmm. um i'm not really gonna ride for much about mm-hmm. this movie but what i am thoroughly uh, interested to hear from both of you is whether or not we think that this film is that this tone is intentional. Right. Is this a movie that is going out of its way to <laughs> some sort of a meta commentary? Like mm-hmm. Polanski kind of crawling inside the Rosemary's Baby you know thing mm-hmm. and, and trying to kind of deconstruct it in a kind of humorous metatextual way mm-hmm. or did this movie just get away from him the score is jaunty it's so <laughs> jaunty that's a, this movie is this movie is a situational comedy this movie is somehow and maybe this is a just having done the planet hollywood screen drafts sure, sure. bias but this is this is the hudson hawk yes. of yes. fucking satanic yes. occult yes. mysteries it is. yeah like th- this this feels so like like I I should have watched a trailer for this before talking because like now I'm like yeah. God how was this movie pitched to us because I remember it yes. coming out and Good being question. like it was a thriller from Johnny Depp and yeah. like I didn't give it I didn't have any thought about Roman Polanski who was 14 at the time but it right. was just like oh yeah, oh <laughs> he had a thought yeah. about you <laughs> there it is. yeah no shit no <laughs> shit and but it was just like. I remember the. I only watched it for the first time like last year. It was fairly right. recent, and so when I was watching this again, I was like, "Oh, I hope there's an alternative where I can get this for free somewhere." Like, I really didn't want to rent it again. Thank you, yeah. IMDb TV with yeah. ads, yeah. and that yeah. was how I watched it. Yeah. I got it mine just... on Tubi. Yeah, Tubi. I think, I think oh, it's, it's great. On both of them, but yeah, uh, I love Tubi. I have I, a disaster yeah. pod, disaster movie podcast. We uh-huh. love Tubi. So yeah, I know you guys must be hitting yeah. Tubi a lot. <laughs> we hit Tubi yeah. hard. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I was going to say I like this movie. I don't like this movie. I hate this yeah. movie. I, I, I think that uh, I think this movie I think yeah. you, 
when you said did it get away from him, I think it got away from him. Yeah. I think that's what happened because there are. You think there this are is scenes- like he was in the edit and he was like, "What the fuck do I do with this? Like, <laughs> what, what, this? what did I? What did I, what did I shoot? shoot? Yeah. And maybe we can. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's a way to salvage this as a straight thriller. Yeah. Um, yep. but because yep. there's too much farce in this movie to have not had some yes. like in- intention uh-huh. of being like a-, a satanic spoof almost. Right, a spoof. <laughs> it feels like a spoof. When when your man Frank Langella walks into the satanic routine and goes mumbo jumbo mumbo jumbo and then kills and, and then Olin. says mumbo yeah. jumbo a dozen more times yeah, mumbo so jumbo and, and it gets everybody to stop like Frank Langella saying mumbo jumbo just gets everybody to be like uh oh like it's not like there's <laughs> well, no commotion there's no what's going on here everyone's just like oh well mumbo jumbo like I guess we better pause the proceedings. I couldn't help but think about, you know, the the whole like the meme of like understanding the assignment. Right. right, right. right? And I was like, did Franklin Jella understand the assignment? Did Johnny Depp understand this? Was there an assignment? Like you can't help but sort of watch it feeling like an assignment. What is this? Did everybody get a sealed envelope with a different assignment? That's and nobody was allowed to tell everybody else their (laughs) assignment. That's a good way to make a movie. That is that is I like certain movies that are happening in this movie. I like Uh the movie Lena Olin's in. Lena Olin's doing a great job. Sure. I like the movie Frank Langella's in. Johnny Depp is wandering through all of them like it's the movie Stay Tuned and he's just clicking the (laughs) channel and he's ending up in different fucking scenarios. Uh, the, The silent the girl like i think she's only credited as the girl the yeah, like probably she's supernatural bodyguard it's like i don't know what she's doing but i don't know if she's told to do anything else like it's it the go girl gives nothing true. like i don't like what i, yeah. I get, like strong silent female like battle hardened archetype like i'm in for that but it's just like Everybody, like Lena Olin and Frank Langella are extra enough to where like, I feel like they're going in for it. Besides, Mm -hmm. everything else is like too much in a middle register for me to be like, like if this movie had gone for broke, I could, I could, you know, but for the Roman Polanski of it uh, and the Johnny Depp of it, be like, you know what? There's value here. But this one, I'm just like, I remember watching The Tourist with Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie. Sure. Angelina Jolie, who's my number one of ever. I absolutely fucking love her. And I was like, Great this is the most boring goddamn movie I've ever it's seen. It's so boring. Like, The Tourist is the most unbelievably aimlessly boring thing yeah. I, I can yeah. remember experiencing in a movie theater. And then watching this, I was like, did Johnny Depp make two The Tourists in his life? Like, what is this? Well, The what Tourist... Are we, what are we sleepwalking What I do like? kind of love about The Tourist is that he gained a whole bunch of weight before shooting it. Because he thought that the character would be fat, and then <laughs> yeah. then he shows up on set, and they were like, "What the fuck?" And then they spent like millions of dollars CG making him thinner. Oh, because, really? okay, I was gonna say because yeah. I remember him being slim in that movie. That's they CG'd his weight off. Wow. He 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 obviously thought the character in this movie should be unbelievably boring. Um, <laughs> yeah. He he is such a cipher. There is nothing yes, going yes. on within the context of this of this person's mind, uh-huh. yeah. and it's it, it's a. It's a real, it's a real, uh, almost control for what a movie is like with a protagonist <laughs> who has no internal monologue or and who has no drive. Yeah. Yes. Who, had, who has, and also, you know, nothing about this guy. You have absolutely, you have absolutely no You're right. interest he in this guy's survival. He only exists in the timeline of this movie. Yeah. He has no before yeah. or no. after life. Yeah. And he only, and he only exists on top of that. He only exists to kind of like, 
you know, it's it's not even like he's putting this movie on his back. It's like he's wheeling it along. It's like he's kind of like it's, he's in the airport. He's kind of wheeling this movie along, going from place to place, figuring out like literally the most boring fucking mystery of all time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like childish shit. Yes. Now, it's like crazy I do see how a mystery that ends with presumably accessing the, the gate devil. to hell. Yeah. Is so like like him walking into the infinite light at the end. You're just like, huh. oh, <laughs> like, and he's just like he and like the fact that they have him go back to a location he was just at. It's like he left and came back. You had this yeah. movie end with a man leaving somewhere and coming back. Like was was the woman fucking him in the grass while the bur- building burned behind? Him? Was that part of the Correct. ritual or was that just for fun? And like, then the was, Deus Ex Machina of the of the piece of paper that just happens to fall off of the top of this bookshelf so that he can you know piece together the, f- the final piece of this mystery, if you will. I'm it's, mostly it's just, worried about the brothers. I want to know where the twin old the men brothers are. are the best. They're well, the best. Well, that's another example of like yeah that those guys only exist. They only could exist in a great movie. <laughs> Except this one, like you don't come, you don't come up with old, yes. uh, like I guess they were Twins. Portuguese yeah. or were they Italian? I I couldn't Twin figure Spaniards, it. Spaniards, I think, because yeah. they, Lis- they were. Oh, they were in Lisbon. So they were yeah. The it, was Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. it was Portugal. Yeah. Two twin old twin Portuguese guys who have a pretty basic understanding of how Lucifer would sign his name yeah. and engraving <laughs> that he would use Roman letters and just and go ahead and write else. A shared mind who are clearly oh, like yes. one human. Yes. Was it one guy or two? two? Did you guys check it out? It's was one it actual actor. twins? It was it one, one actor. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I saw. Yeah. I, I yeah. I saw the credits and I was like, who are those? Oh, that but one. That's guy. adorable. Okay. Yeah, I, but adorable. it feels like you stepped into a Terry Gilliam movie for about ten minutes in that scene and you're just like well this is a movie that i would have been interested in watching has it, anybody made a good movie like the movie we are thinking he was trying to make uh, can I, you know i'm gonna pause movie- at something here because i'm very curious as, as to whether or not jordan agrees i watched personal shopper for the first time mm. um last weekend which S- is a masterpiece is if you have, it's sublime it's perfect and it's wonderful and everyone should watch it mm-hmm. um I kind of feel like tonally on some level, there is sort of, it's like Roman Polanski was trying to make personal shopper and just failed miserably. Like he, he's trying to kind of do a ghost story that's sort, you know, like they have sort of similarities. Story. I mean, and, and the fact, the fact that, because it is, it isn't like, it's not just supernatural at the end. We have silent woman, who like with the glowing green right. eyes and she clearly like lightly flies and we just like yeah. he never seems to notice that like he knows right. she's odd but we never address the fact that she can fly he doesn't fly. address any of this stuff no, it, no. The, the I, I guess the reason that i'm sort of putting it next to personal shopper is that there is a similarity in the sense of the journey itself is somewhat similar mm. in a supernatural journey with a grounded person for the most part who is sort of pulled through a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. The, the difference, of course, there's many, many differences, but like the mood and the tone of this movie is all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. Whereas personal shoppers obviously like very locked into what it's doing and it understands what it's doing. Yeah. But like, it really comes down to the, so the Johnny Depp thing, I think is worth sort of unpacking for a second here because Johnny Depp has, does he have three movies in in ninety nine or just two? I oh think he might God. have three. Yeah, he must have been prolific at that time because he had he obviously has Sleepy Hollow, which comes out in uh, in November of this year. Mm, but okay. he's and, and that's obviously a, a big movie for him. But 
I kind of feel like this is him sort of sleepwalking through this movie in a way that Absolutely. I don't completely understand why. Yeah, of course he has astronaut's wife as well, Kenny, which we which we right. have talked about. Horrible movie. So, <laughs> so he's got like ninth gate in in march he's got astronaut's wife in august and he's got sleepy hollow in november sleepy hollow kind of opens the doors for him because he's a big fat head I, like, I get johnny off. depp i get johnny depp the actor a little more credit than okay. sleepwalking i think this was a decision my sense okay. was that, that yeah. my sense was that he made a choice to play this understated i think uh, so too i think he made a commitment yeah. to droll like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm yes. going to be the foil for whatever, like, because this is shenanigans. Like, I'm going to be the foil <laughs> for shenanigans. But, like, yeah. Roman yeah. Polanski is making a movie about shenanigans that, like, how committed are we to the shenanigans? Like, because yeah. this movie, to me, the the thing that I kept thinking about that this movie made me most remember, because it feels like a noir. Like, it feels like its core it is trying to be a noir. Yep. This movie, to me, is if dead men don't wear plaid wasn't funny. Do you guys ever see that, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. The Steve Martin movie, the one of Carl my Reiner absolute yeah. fucking favorites. It's a great Steve comedy. Martin movies. That is, it is an assemblage of footage of mm-hmm. classic films with Steve Martin playing the only like concurrent live action or one of the only concurrent live action people like linearly, and he plays that I think Marlowe. So funny. The, he great. plays Detective Marlowe, and he gets like. Cutting like he'll be filmed in a train car, and then on the other side of him, it's fucking Veronica Lake. Joan I had Crawford no idea that's movie. what that movie was about. Yes, that's Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is that's a great. is a Frankenstein of classic films, and Steve Martin playing the hard boiled detective solving the mystery through scenes with various classic films stitched in. That so, was this movie to me. If you didn't have as good of an idea as Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, like what if we just stitched together? all of these movies with a dry noir protagonist and then like, but we didn't really feel passionate about it. So we just kind of copped out partway through. Well, it's, it's also like, so just cause it's worth noting kind of where we are in Polanski's career. Um, you know, he, he kind of obviously does try and turn 74 does the tenant tests pirates, frantic, bitter moon, death in the maiden, this movie, the pianist. So like, wow. Look, it's a these- weird run. Yeah. It's, these are like Polanski, uh, The Worst, and A Monster. These are really, really fucking good movies. Death Some the, of them are Death good. The Death Maiden the Maiden is an incredible. Yeah, well, in fact, this comes right before The Pianist. It's like, wow, you pivoted back. Like, this well, feels like one of those three things years, yeah. where there wouldn't come. It feels, this feels like one of those movies where there wouldn't be an after. You would just be I, like, I nah, now he makes straight to video on demand kind of well, shit. But I mean, I mean, I, I know this is this is gonna sound glib, but like there never should have been an after, obviously, right? Like yeah. He, yeah. he should have he should have been in jail. So he was a fully fucking like he's like convicted. Like it's yeah, <laughs> like, yeah he was I mean he I I you know he there fled because he was gonna be put in yes. prison, not because so it was it, like I don't want to get charged. Like no 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 oh my he god was, yeah there was uh the and we could spend as much time as we want on this or, or, or as little, but it certainly, when you talk about Polanski, you kind of have to like, and, and the fact that he was still kind of able to make these movies that were still put out by major American studios it's is so a real shocking. mind fuck. Uh-huh. Right. Like, so it, I, I think he uh, is convicted of rape. I think that happened around, I, I just want to like kind of throw it out. It was like around 77. I think it's it, around 77. Cause in, in I, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm looking it up right now, but right, basically uh, his trajectory it is, is 77. A bunch of Polish films, 
Yep. Rosemary's Baby. Robert Evans brings him over for Rosemary's Baby. Yep. I think he does a couple other things. Chinatown, you know. What? Macbeth, and yes. Then, what? And then Chinatown. Yeah. What? Exactly. And then Chinatown, you know, in a lot of when's ways. For, when's a Revulsion? Revulsion. That's, that's 65. Repulsion okay, is, that's, that's like his second Repulsion. movie. Repulsion. Yeah. So uh, he makes Chinatown and then Sharon Tate is killed right around then mm-hmm. while he is in, I believe, a different country shooting something else. I think he's in France when it happens or. Somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, and then the, the she's, the, she's killed in, in, uh, in, uh, 69. Yeah. She's killed in 69. Oh yeah. Because summer of 69, once upon a time in oh, Hollywood. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He, she, she's killed in 69. He rapes the girl in, in 70, 76, 76. And then in 77, what happened or apparently what happened was, uh, he was under the impression he was going to get a very short prison sentence. Yes. Um, like time served, like 42 days, and the judge yep. was going to give him 50 years. So then he... Well, she's uh, a little girl, so... <laughs> then yeah. he... I know, I know. Then yeah. he, then he flees. Because like, there was a calculus for him there where he was like, eh, worth it. Like, you know. Sort of. A million percent. And then it was like, oh, no, no, I got to run. Like, it was going to be okay. And I would have had, like, an outlaw well, status thing, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, And I can do it again, and I'll get 50 more days. But then he was like, oh, God, this is serious. I better go. Well, I thought something else out there, which is like what his defenders would say for for years and years and years until it turned was Roman Polanski. And this is kind of nasty what I'm about to say, but Roman Polanski always played up the idea or always played up the the fact that Mm -hmm. his family was like super affected by the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, He had sibling uh, sibling and and parents who died in the Holocaust. And then uh, Sharon Tate, uh, Sharon Tate's murder. So the idea is he's a really messed up fucked up guy to begin he gets with. a pass now, because these horrible things happen to yes yeah. now subsequently mm-hmm. not that one rape you should be you know get your time served and call it a day subsequently many other women have come out including women as young as 10 yeah said that he also raped them yeah so then i mean the fact there's that never that came out, one there's never just you don't, you don't go one. in for one 13 year old you don't but, you don't you don't it's a lifestyle it's a habit so no. then oh. so then in like once this all this comes out once it becomes like there's really no way for you to deny this or explain it away this how in the 80s and 90s and then up to the 2000s he gets to make movies let alone win best director yeah is lunacy well, I think okay. this, this does get back to the general's daughter of it because like when you consider the gallingness of the general's daughter like how does this movie exist this is so gross this is so creepy it's like guys this movie came out in a world where Roman Polanski had a movie come out in the same year and he wasn't yeah. even done yet putting out movies in the states and we were like and he was we gonna win even, an Oscar and in we three weren't years. even having the conversation there was nothing Jordan, even close to the conversation Jordan he is 88 and put out a movie three years ago yeah. I, he, yes I remember because you know I remember because Adele Hanel stormed out of the Cesar Awards yeah clapping one person and shouting "Viva la pedofilia! Viva la pedofilia!" And being three, like, I think three actresses left the Cesar Awards, um, and she wasn't hailed yeah. as a national hero for that. I'm that kind of amazed that he move. I'm also kind of amazed. Like we don't talk about Carnage as a movie because it. Oh kind my of god, you're exist. right. You're right. But yeah. like we got Jodie Foster, Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet. Christoph yeah. Waltz, John C. Riley, all signed on to make a movie with this guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, and, and and these are people 
I mean, Jodie Foster, obviously re- renowned, uh, willing to turn a blind eye to, to bad people, it seems. Right, renowned, but, yeah. But Kate Winslet, I thought, would be Famously above this. But she also, the art I guess, the artist. You know, I did a Woody she, Allen film sure, no, shortly thereafter. I, I, you don't want to get too, too caught up in these weeds, yeah. but like... They're no better than anybody else. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> sure, sure. like, yeah. <laughs> who who famously turned down a Woody Allen movie, right. Or turned down a Roman until twenty fucking eighteen? Yeah. yeah, nobody. Nobody. I have never heard a story before twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen of someone saying, "I will not work with this person because he is a rapist," or "I will mm-hmm. not work with this person because yeah. he is a racist." I will yeah. not work. I've never. Maybe with Mel Gibson a little bit. But like, yeah, for like fifteen minutes. For like, for 15, like fifteen minutes. minutes. But then, like Andrew fucking Garfield's making a movie that again gets nominated for best director, best picture. <laughs> yeah. yep. So like, everyone. Well, got and over Texas it. is Gilead, and America hates women. So like, it's this is yeah. it's all just of a piece, which is just like it's just it's just phenomenal to look at it. And be like, let's just let's just acknowledge for a minute, you guys, because it's like, oh, that's so fucked up when you look at it like that. I know. I almost look at it more. I, I really like, again, not trying to like say I'm better than any of these people. I think like the lesson of humanity is, you know, like what, what Steve Zahn said in White Lotus, like nobody sees their privilege. And I, I really, truly yes. believe that. I think most people are fucking garbage when they get when they, when they get to a certain level. But, <laughs> but, but I, I, uh, I think it's worth it. I, I no, think it's just, just yeah. Just to finish the point, um, just sociologically, just the, what we've what we've allowed to have happen in this country, in this culture, in this world, yeah. is sh- fucking. It's truly like deeply troubling. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, when any anything anything can become normal, yeah, yeah. anything I, can become normal, and then yeah. once it becomes normal, undoing it. It has to be a devoted, constant, relentless yeah. practice of undoing to break a habit, to break a pattern. And, and it, everything it also, became normal. They also, the major sort of piece of all of this, to some degree, is they have to start making bad movies. Um, yes, if they start making bad it movies, it's really true. easy to jump on board and be like, ah, fuck them. Because now they're not making anything that we care about. And to, to both of your points, this should have been the beginning of Roman Polanski makes bad movies. We're done with him, but he pivots to your point and he makes the the pianist, mm-hmm. you know, arguably maybe his one of his most personal movies and wins the best director and, and it, yeah. it gives, you know, puts win back in his sales. Uh, this should have been the beginning of the end. And unfortunately, he makes, you know, he makes the pianist. But I, I, I do kind of want to. Um, they, they, they always call the pianist. The pianist. I remember it was they were very they were very specific about calling it the penis. They didn't like that it sounded like penis. <laughs> it sounded like penis. Just, it didn't sound like pianist. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, uh, so I'm going to give a brief synopsis of this film. Dean Corso, played by Johnny Depp, specializes in tracking down rare and exotic volumes for collectors. Boris Balkin, played by Fra- Frank Langella, has recently acquired a 17th century satanic text called The Nine Gates, a legendary book written by Satan himself. With The Nine Gates in his possession, Corso soon finds himself at the center of a strange and violent going-ons. Uh, not only is his apartment ransacked, it appears that he is being shadowed ferociously by others determined to regain the book. The Ninth Gate opened on December 24th, 1999 in Los Angeles and New York. And then it wow, opened a wider. a Christmas release. A Christmas release. It opened <laughs> wider. I like that. I'm into uh, that. On March uh, 10th, 2000. 
It would go on to make $58 million on a $38 million budget. Hmm. Uh, so that move, this movie made money. Mm-hmm. Like a fi- I mean, $58 million in 99 is probably close to $100 yeah. million today. Yeah. Uh, it's got 43% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 57 from audiences. I'm going to read two brief clips of uh, Ebert's two-star review said Roman Polanski's The Ninth Gate, a satanic thriller, opens with a spectacularly good title sequence. I don't agree. Uh, and goes downhill it is from so there. Bad. It's so bad. That title sequence and long. is so long. And there are definitely, it keeps yeah. going through gates way more than nine. Way, way, way more, than, more than, nine than nine gates in that, in that title sequence. It's it? also just like, <laughs> like that, that title sequence, which is a good three minutes, maybe five minutes long. Yeah. In a movie that already feels... It's a good three to five minutes of Twitter <laughs> yeah. for me. It's and just it's like, like what before is before we were really nailing it with 3D animation, it thought it yeah, was nailing it with 3D animation. Uh, the movie does a good job of mirroring its deaths with situations from the tarot deck and making the Telfer Widow, played by Lena Olin, more sinister by, I think, inserting electronic undertones beneath her speech. I also like the atmosphere evoked by the dialogue, which isn't too dumbed down, uses some of the jargon of the book trade, and allows for us to follow Corso's process of deduction as he figures out what the engravings mean and what Balton's true motives are. It's just that the film is uh, a film of such big themes should be about more than the fate of a few people. While at the end, <laughs> I didn't yearn for spectacular special effects. I did wish for spectacular information, something <laughs> awesome, not just a yeah. fade to white. Uh, I also think that's it, definitely Lena Olin's voice. Yeah, 100%. Like, Lena Olin always sounds, that's one of the coolest things about Lena Olin is that she sounds like that. I totally agree. The AV Club, however, says Polanski, however, knows this well and wisely refuses to let the film take itself too seriously while just as wisely avoiding self-parody. For all its unabashed trashiness, The Ninth Gate remains an expertly crafted, eerily effective bit of satanic noir from its start to somewhere just before its finish, helped by at every turn by Johnny Depp, who seems even more aware of Gates' inherent absurdity than Polanski himself. How embarrassing for that person. What a what? Correct. What it may be the sort of film enjoyed published against, on the internet. It may be the sort of film enjoyed against your better judgment, but the ninth gate is hard not to enjoy anyway. What the fuck movie did they? I don't watch? know how you can. I don't know how you can praise it like that and say that the the star did, that the director didn't understand what they were making. But thank God the star but the, did. Like, but how, thank God Johnny Depp was there to save this movie. Yeah, it's like well, it seems like the guy leading it in front of the camera had a much better grasp of what was going on than the director. But this is a hit. Like, but I will just say, for what it's worth, Johnny Depp does have a history, for all intents and purposes, of "quote unquote" understanding the assignment. Right? Of course, and like, that was he, that was how he notoriously epic Pirates of the Caribbean is. is what it is because Johnny Depp shows up and is like, "This is the movie," and yeah. they got lucky that he did that. I mean, Benny but, and June works because of how sure, he plays that. Like sure. that's that's him. That's or Edward Scissorhands, impossibly sure. beautiful man yeah. right. who can yeah. actually convince you that he can com- he can play right. Work. And we were even talking at the beginning, uh, before we even got on mic, we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street because we're, we're, we're doing that on the Patreon. Nightmare on Elm Street, he kind of understands the assignment early on, right? Yeah. Like he's one of yeah. the, you know, that's his first movie ultimately. Yeah. And it's like, he just gets, locks into a thing. Now, sometimes it doesn't work, right? We're, we're looking at it here, Mordecai's another, like there's lots of examples <laughs> yeah. of movies where he yeah. just locks into a thing and they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but but this, I think, is just a boring performance. Like, whether or not he's conscious of what he's doing, and I would agree with Kenny that I do think that Johnny Depp yes. 
has chosen well, the thing. I, yeah, I think he's born. made. I think he's made a choice. I don't think yeah. he's made the choice to uh, to to exist in a world that is this farcical. Correct. Um, I, I, you know, the funny thing is, a movie I keep coming back to that I do think is farcical and extremely effective in his farce is Eyes Wide Shut, and it reminds, hmm. like, in terms of a movie that is able to kind of at once be thrilling and be scary, be emotionally resonant, but also be like over the top ridiculous at times mm-hmm. in a way that like, so if you're in the right mood to watch Eyes Wide Shut and have fun with it, there's fun to be had. If you're in the right mood, to, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of fun to be had throughout the mm-hmm. entire film, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the mood to have fun with this one, like you get the stuff, you get the, uh, the scene sure. with the twins. You get Franklin Jell's performance, you get Lena Olin's performance, and you get, I think, the uh the the sex scene outside the burning, you know, cathedral. The, the woman and, in the wheelchair. That's <laughs> fun. <laughs> yes, when she gets rolled into the burn to the, the burning room. <laughs> that actually that yeah. actually the two best scenes in this movie involve fire. And it is when <laughs> The wheelchair just, just barrels through barrels doors in. and That's knocks good. open That's into a fire, shit. and she yeah. just catches fire. That's amazing. Yeah. And when yeah. Frank Langella realizes yes. that the endorphins of him thinking he's invincible have worn off, and he oh, is in fact so just on fire, on fire. Yeah. 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 that yeah. is amazing yeah. stuff. It's the great. whole Frank, Frank yes. Langella catching on yes. fire thing, great and he's scene. like, "I can't be yeah. burned. I'm not yeah. feeling heat." And Johnny Depp's like, "Great, give us another one." And he just <laughs> pours gas on himself. Was like, "This is great." I like this movie, and that's why, like, yes. if, it, if the yes. dials well, had just been higher in the farce, yes, I think it actually would have jibed for me. I that's why, I, like, so that's yeah. why your Hudson Hawk analogy was such a good one. Yes, because yes. like it could have been just like again, that movie is just, committed to the bit. Yes. It's so silly. Yes, but it, like, if it was all Frank Langella burning himself alive. Well, that's great stuff. Well, I think I also woman I in, totally woman in a wheelchair. Ultimately, Hudson Hawk right toward- is about a man who wants a cup of coffee. It's a man <laughs> who wants a fucking cappuccino. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? And, and, but, but I also think Hudson Hawk with him sipping a cappuccino that's what, is about as climactic as Johnny Depp walking into a palace of light. That's why, Phil, when you say like you're, you know, when one of your bumps was the piece of paper floating down exactly, well, that's a bump. It's a bump because this movie takes itself a little too seriously. But if it was a sillier movie, Uh that's exactly the kind of Deus Ex Machina that that would feel like hilarious. That would have worked in Hudson. But it's also like you guys are speaking of of two paths that I think are really interesting because I think it also would have worked in Eyes Wide Shut, by the way. Well, that's so the Eyes Wide Shut, the, the level of difficulty that Eyes Wide Shut is playing at oh is God. why I think it's a fucking masterpiece. Right. And it's what and 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 perhaps this movie was trying to achieve that. But you know, it, it's and, and they are there are a lot of similarities. I mean, there's there there are similarities between, you know, Tom Cruise's character in Eyes Wide Shut and Johnny Depp's character in this movie. Like sure. it's episodic, it's a journey. There's a lot of sort of there, there's the hint of the supernatural, although this goes farther than that. But mm-hmm. But I agree with both of you that like there's a lack of commitment it's or that, a lack and of that's understanding where you're lose me, is a lack of, of what, commitment of what it wants to be doing that you're just kind of like it's we've talked about this many many times on this podcast and 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 Jordan I, I think you'll be on board with this too which is uh, you know an understanding of intent and of a filmmaker yeah and and as a as a viewer you have to feel. Like the filmmakers committed to something, they have a vision for this thing, and if if you feel that confidence, you'll go along for the ride. 
This, like, okay, okay, where are you going to drag me along to? Right. What are you going to do here? This, I'm so checked out because I don't feel like he's committed to it and really knows what he wants to be doing with it. It also, the pacing is fucking languid. Like, it's it's a really <laughs> brutally paced movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's, a, and it's, I don't mind a long movie, but, like, when I like clicked on that, like, remembering how I felt about it the first time and then seeing that 134 minutes, I was like, ooh. <laughs> right. It's a big yeah. 134 right there. And then you like, also three think about, like... three hours of Suspiria from 2018 did not feel that long to me. I've still never seen that movie because I'm a big baby. But I, I do think that, and I get scared of things, but I, I look at like Johnny Depp performances like Secret Window, Nick of Time, The Tourist. Like there is this weird little like lane of just sort of. When he plays it straight, it's very boring. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah, like, he, it's like just, he really yeah. does have two. It's like he has two speeds. It's it's full speed and, and at park. Yeah. And but, but you know he plays it straight in Donnie Brasco and he's amazing. So there's yeah, like uh, yes, there, yes. there's certainly it's almost I mean like he, he can do it. Yeah. He's just not he's just not the guy to go to. Um, well, and I think like like where like almost another parallel for my mind in my mind when I watch this movie is like it clue. Like the movie Clue (laughs) has like more suspense in it, actually. Like I feel a sense of tension Mm -hmm. when I'm watching Clue and it's a fucking comedy. It is a farce. Mm -hmm. But like Mm -hmm. when the singing telegram girl shows up in the doorway and she's lit only, like only backlit and she's just in shadow, you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to the singing telegram girl? And when they're like running around the house, you feel a sense of like bated breath of like, what are they going to discover next? And there's there's somehow more suspense in Clue than there is in a movie about one man learning to harness the power wholly of Satan Satan. and determine his material destiny on Earth. Erase me from the book of life and write me in the black book of death. Like, okay, that should be more fun. Well, yeah. I want to live deliciously in this, so fucking give it to me. Before you just, you know, gave me the logline, I didn't know what the logline was. Yeah. And I feel like the movie didn't know what the logline was yeah, because, totally. you know, the movie's not about Johnny Depp. The movie is about <laughs> Frank Langella. Like, that's, I would rather see, now again, there's no reason to rewrite this movie, but you would <laughs> rather, you, you'd rather see the, the, the man, the lunatic devil man's pursuit of being erased from the book of life. Yeah, everybody, yes. every, yes. like, wh- those scenes where people are just getting killed for yes. their book, like, old people are getting murdered for their books. For their books. Like, yeah. that, that yeah. sounds like a crazy ass movie that yeah. I want to watch unfold. Yeah. But we watch all the parts, like, it's like, we don't see, we don't see the crimes. We just see the crime solving. And guys, police work is boring. Like, the majority of police yep. work is boring. That's why shows boring have to make this. it sensational. Yeah. And we're I, just I, like, other- watching the police work here. The other movie that I thought of as I was watching this the other day, Kenny, is also another 99 movie, 8 Millimeter. Oh, wow. Yeah. 8 Millimeter is got a lot and it's problematic in its own ways. It's, but it's grisly. It's grisly and it's crazy and it's what have you. But um, again, committed to a bit, right? Like Schumacher was a guy who was like, I'm, if nothing else, I'm in 110% on this yep. thing that I've decided. They should have switched so is Nick movies. Cage. Well, and, right? they, and, and I was absolutely, when you guys were thinking about the idea of like a character, an actor who goes sort of all in and we know these, I was thinking of Nick Cage as a parallel this entire time. And honestly, right. if you put Nick Cage in this movie as Dean Movie's Corso, way more this movie works. This movie Million actually times works. better. Million and just with his, just be like, hey, Nick, pick a lane. And whatever yeah. he would do, 
would be at least an intense enough frequency to make this sure. movie like bring yeah. it together, be the root, the rug that really ties the room together. What were you going to say? I, I, well, I think they should have switched movies because I think Joel Schumacher yes. would have would have sillied this movie up. And this movie with bisexual lighting, a la Joel <laughs> Schumacher, would have been fucking amazing. Well, that's that's a big deal about this, which is basically like this movie should have been high camp, right? Yes, and, yes. God. and like that's where this movie, that's where this movie would have like sang a little bit. Whereas the, all eight, Joel, Joel Schumacher is such a weird filmmaker to me because when he goes for it, mm-hmm. he's a lot of fun. Batman and Robin, baby. One of the worst movies ever. So much fun. Uh, (laughs) Well, it's a really fun. Gets to tell me that that Uma Thurman didn't know. Oh, Uma Thurman understood the. She understood the. That Poison Ivy performance is fucking tremendous. By the way, so did Arnold Schwarzenegger. But yes, Yes, he did. (laughs) Like that. If if, the only thing that's bad about that movie in real life is that it's a Batman movie and it's part of like a. (laughs) And, and it's it's part of yes, a, yes. a thing, yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. Because oh, because it, people you know put these these like unnecessary expectations on it. But whatever, that's that movie would have killed it in twenty twenty one when you <laughs> yeah. when you're allowed to fuck around a little more. Yeah. But so shoot, sometimes it, it really feels like Schumacher is trying to pull back or trying to do something different or try try yeah. to not be himself in a way. And I think mm-hmm. both of his ninety nine movies are that flawless right. doesn't go far enough. Mm, and eight you're mi- right. An eight millimeter. Sh- Honestly, that movie should be fucking serious. It's about snuff films. Like, yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> I, I just don't Whoa. think. I, like, I don't. They, I don't need yeah. like crazy ass. Sh- I don't think you want crazy ass shit. Like. Which it is. Yeah. There's some really it's like crazy, honestly, movie. wild stuff in there. No, but it's like I, Polanski I policy, does it. He, he, I have a policy about the Saw movies that they can get away with anything besides sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And because Torture, once, you've, porn, once yeah. you've committed to going that far with out and out gore violence, there has to be something that's off the table where you're like, yeah, but this is just for fun. It's just a cartoon. And when you bring sexual violence into something like that, it makes it really serious in a way that the the bigness and the hyperbolicness totally. of the violence and the deaths is like, you're not taking sexual violence seriously anymore. Actually. No, I agree. You're making a bit of it, which is why the only saw I actually have a problem with is number six, because there's a rape dungeon that somebody is like punished for. It's best if you binge them really. Like it's like a sci-fi miniseries mm. in the nineties. Um, really, really, they really hold up that way. I don't but, think like, you'd be scared. It's why number, no, it goes such beyond the point of absurdity. I think Mm. it's number, it's four or five that becomes like a woman punishing like predatory insurance people for scamming customers. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, like it becomes an allegory, but like- And you're a wand boy. Yeah, and I- I am a wand boy. I do like James Wan. And I I know. We could have a different conversation on different podcasts about that with me. Um, You're a wand man. A wand wand man. I don't know if I'm a wand man, but I I did like Aquaman and I did like uh, Fury 7. But you know, and my my one gripe with Aquaman should have been a musical. Aquaman should have gotten Interesting. Let Orm sing. Let Patrick Wilson give me an aria. You might get that in the second one. You don't know. On a submarine in a storm while he's fighting his brother. Like, give give me Jason Momoa. No no advanced vocal production. Just give me the raw Jason Momoa ballad. All I I need to say with all of that is that you hit a certain like like you said you gotta play eight millimeters straight it's about fucking snuff films you gotta man. play like, I you, agree, there's enough going on there because it's about sexual violence there's nothing going on in the ninth gate nothing, so you I, need nothing. to hit the gas but i also think that a match 
But you're also Fair talking point. about like interpretation of script as well, right? Like I don't think Andrew mm-hmm. Kevin Walker was I think he was writing like a gnarly dark right, right. movie about snuff films and was like really going there. Yeah. And I think that Schumacher was like, yeah, I can do that. And yeah. He, it's just it's just not in his tool belt. But right. all that being said, I do well, think that, <laughs> But I I I, <laughs> I know I think like he 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 had an interpretation. He it did. just it just wasn't right. But you know, we we had we had Jim on, and he, he I, yeah. I, I, and listen, like, yeah. I, we we had a great episode on eight millimeter. It was like, I think it's a fascinating movie, and it's, I think it's it's, it's worth digging into. 100%. It's a fascinating movie. I agree it was a fascinating. That. But but I, I want to talk for a quick second about the tone that I think Polanski was aiming for, and I think okay. Eyes Wide Shut is an interesting touch point because there's a moment in eyes wide shut where uh it's at the orgy and mm. all the women are in masks and the men are in these cloaks and they're slow dancing to uh strangers in the night <laughs> and it is a clearly mm-hmm. winky funny moment where mm-hmm. kubrick is like do you see what i'm doing here i'm i'm making a very weird kind of dark comedy i think that that's that was what Polanski was aiming for with this, but like that is a narrow, narrow target, mm. and it's a specific thing, and you know that mixed with I would argue the miscasting of the female lead, who and I don't I don't want to throw her under the bus to your point she might have been poorly directed, but like her her delivery is insane. She's she Polanski, she's, from another, she's Polanski's wife. Yeah. Well. Oh, is she? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. So there's that. Um, but but I, I do think that this movie I mean is... at that point it almost becomes avant-garde. Like I she she almost yeah. like snake eats the tail for me is so one-dimensional kinda, that yeah. like did I like go through interstellar and the fifth dimension is love and now I'm there? Like what is what, what is, is reality? Yeah. I did not hate I did not hate her performance. Right? I, I, like, I was in for it. I just yeah, like, I, didn't. I didn't okay. I thought it was doing exactly it was, what it was supposed to do, yeah. but I didn't know what she thought she was supposed to do. Well, I don't. Okay. okay. Furthermore, I don't really know what purpose she served uh, in, in this story outside the of being, you know. Right. She's like, was she, she she's, murdering people? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Or was she? Oh. Was, okay, that's okay. Now I want to take this up the group. Is she the one killing the old people, or is she just taking him after to get the book? I, I'm unclear. No fucking clue. That's no the point. No okay. Who do you? Gotcha. Yeah. No fucking clue. Uh, no and but. It's it's not her fault that there, she had no fucking clue. I also I also kind of liked that she's obviously some you know devil woman, 
but yeah. just just rocks the uh, the messy bun or the messy pony. The absolute like I I at about three quarters of the way through the movie, I was like that there. This woman has had no hair and, and makeup. She, I mean, she must have showed up in her fucking clothes. Like that yep. messy bun isn't even like that's like an actual. That's like an Choice. actual messy yeah. bun. Like one like a human is- woman wakes up with. And it's like, like whoa, it's the first thing in the morning. There's nothing Hollywood about that messy bun. I was like, this is straight up unwashed (laughs) hair put up in the worst way. Like, her hair is stringy and not clean. It was like, what is this messy bun choice? And the crazy, the the bravest choice of this movie was to go with that messy bun because the continuity must yeah, be fucked. out of control. It's fucked. It was, Getting all those hairs in the exact same. Yeah. I think they it did it. So I think they consistent. nailed it. No, it yeah, was I think so they nailed it. I think I did at a certain point. Like she takes her hair down at one point that puts it back up and then it looks exactly the same as before. It was like, wow, it is exactly the same messy yeah. bun that it was before. The work this of the devil right there. That is that is some supernatural shit. And just like her like her pants that like fit but are kind of too short and the trainers that she's wearing i was just like what the fuck is this whole deal great like, jacket that's a great 99 jacket like I, you guys have, here's, jacket. here's what I you have done her shit. you have <laughs> successfully turned me around on the yeah. girls performance because i'm actually sort of like you know what there, there is a choice there um and it's at least it is it is befuddling in a somewhat compelling way unlike kind of anything else in this movie. And right, at least right. she's a cipher as a supernatural character. Like yeah, Johnny yeah. Depp's character is a cipher is like no you're a human man. Like why don't I understand anything I don't give about a shit. you? Yeah. At least with her it's like well you're not human and maybe you're not even real and like so at least does anybody else yeah. see you when you're in a room with this guy or does like or are you fucking are you Tyler Durden? Like what yeah. what are yeah. you? Yeah, Marty. Can I so I want to point out one other thing, another missed opportunity in this movie, which is this film is shot by Darius Condry, which is one of our best cinematographers mm. in the world. Uh, City of Lost Children, Seven. Recently, he did Uncut Gems. I mean, a phenomenal wow. cinematographer. This movie is so flat and colorless. The palette is boring as fuck. The special yeah. effects are t- all the green screen shit looks absolutely terrible. The, all the green screen driving thing. It's like awful. that at a certain point, it was like, is this becoming the biggest argument for this as a satire? Because yeah. this is like we've yes. gone beyond yes. parody with these like motion like images behind us when they're on the motorcycle. It was yeah. like, are we is this like bringing up baby? Like are Maybe we this in is the a 1940s? Good movie. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe this is good. <laughs> like this I is- will I will never pass up a chance to remember how huge Frank Langella is. That guy is a big man. He's a big man. Big. You know what? I like him with hair. He is so I, intimidating. That hair large. piece is crazy, though. I like him with hair. <laughs> I think he's a good murderer. I, he's like, a good murderer. God, he's good. God, he's, he's a good. Yeah, murderer. I, I like. I I really really like uh, the Frank Langella who only is a high class villain. Yeah. Oh, yes, God. Yes. And then we in my, in my mind's eye, real Frank Langella is a high class villain. I don't know what he's yeah. getting up to, but yeah. like Frank Langella, the man, is a high class yeah. villain. That and man is he, a Bond villain in our real world. Yes. He's yes. Oh, the yes. elegance, the stature, oh, yeah. everything. And then we fucked it all. The weirdest thing is like, okay, so he fulfills his destiny and plays the, you know, the greatest high class villain of all time, Richard Nixon. Right. And gets <laughs> yeah. a Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. And and then we decide let's try him out as a good guy. No 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 no. Yeah, we come on. Up. Look yeah. at this guy. I don't. He's great in the Americans though. Great in the Americans. I was gonna yeah. say great in the Americans though. Like that move. That show is so fucking like. Yeah. That's such a weird mind fuck. That like he's 
he might be playing like right, here's the thing about that show <laughs> that show is about people who are ostensibly villains like like geopolitical villains mm-hmm. but geopolitical they are villains. they are they are presented as protagonists as sympathetic protagonists yes. throughout the series they're written that way you are meant it to is one of the most them. deft feats of balancing that Correct. reality I it's impossible right like that and and i have my issues with the Americans as it wore on, but wow, like doing that over the, like doing that over the course of a six, a six season show. What a, what, I, so what, I, I want to read a quote a here that I think is worth, worth uh, mm. reading. The, the film press reported around the time of the North American release of the film, that there was creative friction between Johnny Depp and Roman Polanski. Johnny Depp <laughs> the said, AV the AV club clearly picked up on that. Depp said, it's the director's job to push, to provoke things out of an actor. Uh, and then Polanski said of Depp, he decided to play it rather flat, which wasn't how I envisioned it. Um, so, mm. there's, so Johnny that's... was perhaps craving more direction. And in lieu of more direction, yeah. he made a choice. And then Polanski was like, oh, stupid choice. And then yes. they just yes. never <laughs> talked about it. Stupid yes. choice. Yeah. And then it feels like, so your, your score <laughs> is obviously brought in in post, right? Obviously, yeah. you know, so the score, tr- score truly sounds like Curb Your Enthusiasm at times. I, the, here, here's the thing that the score reminded me of. Like I, it reminded me, because I remember before I watched The Last Seduction ever, mm-hmm. I like, the, people talk about The Last Great Seduction movie. like an erotic thriller, but they talk about it like an erotic thriller and it's not. Yeah. It's actually. I mean, there is a fair amount of sex in it. There, yeah, it's erotic. I mean, you can't escape the eroticism of Linda Fiorentino in the nineties. You just sure. like if she was yeah. standing in front of you, it would be sex. like I'm in an erotic yeah. thriller right now, yeah. and yeah. nothing was yeah. happening. Well, no, Men, Men in Black was an erotic thriller. Honestly, but dogma. Like, yeah. I remember the first time I, I remember like watching that. I was like, this is a goofy comedy. Like she's fucking with this guy the entire time. The music. The music the entire time is almost jaunty. That is not the music or ambiance yeah. of an erotic thriller. It's more like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels than That's it what is. The score is bizarre. And that is what is happening. And while I was watching this, I was like, I, this is making me feel like the time, like The Last Seduction, a really good movie that I watched. And I was like, oh, everything everybody told me this movie was, like, it's erotic, but everything else is not true. We just put it in the erotic thriller camp because right. it's Linda Fiorentino in the 90s. But the score, the atmosphere, the intention here, the the way she is dicking this guy around and making fun of him the entire yeah. movie, nothing yeah. about this. Like, this is a caper comedy. And The Ninth yeah. Date feels like a caper comedy in large part thanks to the decisions well, of the score. Well, because this is this is the thing. And and Kenny and I, we've talked about this on, on many other episodes too. But, like, you as an audience member don't know, quote-unquote, how to feel until a score comes in. The score is truly underlining that's, that's okay. the intent of the movie. And that's fine. Yeah. If you take that rule... Sound design and music what is what makes no. horror horror in, a, in but, the but cinema. I, but like, I think that if you take that lesson and apply it to this movie, then this movie is a straight-up comedy. Because the score is yes. pretty much comedic for 70 or 80% of it. It's like, so, is this an Inspector Clouseau experience? Like, what are we... Is this, like, midnight so on the, like, Ninth Gate Express? Like, wh- wh- where? Where is this music taking me right yeah. now? So that's... It's an interesting point, because the score does portray this idea that this is a farcical satire of movies like this. That's not where I would have gone with it. Yeah, I, right. I, yeah, I would have agreed. gone. I would. I would have gone so much bigger and more over yeah, yeah. the top, and mm-hmm. and and more of this 
absurd gothic stuff. I don't think, just for me at least, I don't think you're making fun of anything with a score like this. I think you are causing some cognitive dissonance with a score. You are. Like you are. It's not commenting and it's not subverting. It's just making you go, Ur. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I saw something about, I've only watched one episode of White Lotus so far, but I, oh, um, I saw a tweet about Speaking of it. score. Great well, score. and that like, and somebody, I saw somebody tweet about it before I had watched any of it. That mm-hmm. was like, I like, I'm really enjoying White Lotus. I wish the score didn't feel. So, I wish I didn't feel like the score was trying to make me feel like something really important was happening all the time. I, and did I, you unfollow them immediately? You're right. I I, I don't even think I followed. I think it was just RT into my timeline. But then yeah. I watched the first episode and just like. And listening to them, I was I I didn't have a problem music. I was really liking the music. This sure. movie needed White Lotus's music. Like yes. I was, because like I was I was like, oh yeah, I get what that person is saying. Like I do feel like something, but like it's supposed to. And in the scope of what's important in the show, something really important is happening. And like, but, you know, it's so funny that we, you're how and what we build tension around. This movie deserved a score, even like the White fucking Lotus had. Could you imagine well, if it had that? It would be awesome. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, Jordan, because uh, I, I was reading an interview with the uh, composer of White Lotus, and he said that Mike White told him that he wanted the score to feel like at any moment some sort of a ritual was going to happen. Some sort of well, a, there could be a, a human sacrifice. Human sacrifice ritual. at any moment. But so, right. and, and Jordan, we don't want to give anything away, but like if th- this movie should have this movie should have had that exact same thing at any moment, right. there can yes. be a yeah. a sacrifice to the devil because and it really was at any moment it could have happened the amount of like awesome. random fucking deaths yes. and like when this guy and it, like this movie is so confused that it's like when johnny depp is running away from the booksellers the the, the little men the first time and that scaffolding, scaffolding falls down it really does feel like the scaffolding was an accident yes. not like something's after him i was like oh they oh. only had they couldn't do another take because they couldn't reset up the scaffolding the, and so that was it like johnny depp literally had to run from old scaffolding that was what that moment felt like it was like oh that was just a construction error and they had to like play through the pain i thought the same thing because i was like wait is this supposed to be suspenseful is it supposed to be funny what is it it's just you just don't know how you're supposed to feel no basically through this entire film which by the way isn't necessarily a bad thing which i don't entirely mind discombobulated by a movie i don't even hate this movie i just wish it was more of everything more of everything but in the final analysis of this movie yes it doesn't come together it's no, ultimately, yes, ultimately with, does not come together. The thing with the Mike White score, with the with the White Lotus score, is mm-hmm. in the beginning it, that's 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 discombobulating as well. Yes, that doesn't make sense too. And on top of that, like in our you know current climate, where at least I'm hypersensitive to this stuff, it also is a little like, are you are you are you putting like tribal music over this? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Are, are you like are you fucking insane? Yeah, and yeah. then at the end, what are of you this, doing? Yeah. That's how it feels. It's like this, not even like this is a choice. Like this is crazy. Yeah. And right. then at the end, it really fucking comes together. Well, and the also, whole thing makes perfect makes sense. sense. Yeah. What I liked about it, it like, cause, because I, it would not have even occurred to me if I had not seen that tweet to really even, like I would have just accepted the music as it was coming at me. But like when they said that it was like, I wish it didn't make me feel like things were really important. And I was like, but doesn't that the point though? Because if if what we're in is like a circus yeah. of the mundane with these rich it? white people, oh. the point is is that like 
everything is extreme in this context. Like, it's like, no, 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 but this is life and death with the most banal shit you can imagine and the most entitled people possible. Like, the point is the cacophony. The point is the Mm -hmm. imbalance. And in this one, it doesn't feel like the point is the imbalance. It just feels like somebody had their heart set on that music the entire time and it didn't matter what the movie ended up being. It was like, no, but this is the score I said I would have. Or like, all the composers are busy. This is what we've got. That's why I love that. That's what excited me so much about the uh, the Matrix um, trailer. Yeah, was just this feeling of not. I mean, the way the the way, uh, go ask Alice is awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. But so just great. this feeling of like, oh, thank God someone is trying again. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. oh, thank, oh, thank, yeah. Yeah. thank God. Like, I yeah. like, at this point, it doesn't even matter if it's good or bad because, like, I know that I'm going to. Experience Experience something, and it, it, that's um, the thing with the like. Regardless of how anybody feels about Jupiter Ascending or Speed Racer, I I was initially cool on Speed Racer, but then I came around to it. But I've always loved Jupiter Ascending. You can you don't you don't doubt that no matter what the Wachowskis are going to give you, they're going to go all in. Yeah, no I matter totally, what Resurrections yes. is, it's yes. going all the way the fuck in. There's going to yes. be zero yes. hold back in this movie. When it's calling it's just Jupiter the, yes, Ascending a a bad movie. Misses the point. Misses the point. But and like furthermore, like it's really looking a gift horse in the mouth. Like, <laughs> yes. like, like, I, like okay, like I get the I get that like, you know, look, it doesn't work, but like look at what you're Look, look at what you're getting yeah. here. Like, look at what they're giving you. Yeah. Yeah. What, what the Ninth Gate needed was an Eddie Redmayne and Jupiter yes. Ascending performance. It needed that level of weird, specific crazy. That if, Eddie, if, like, if this film Eddie starred Redmayne's Eddie Oscar Redmayne. is for that. I agree. It's 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 really, you know, it's it's funny because I feel like, and people have been saying this for, for a long time about how sort of, how way ahead of the game the Wachowskis are and Naturally. have been for so long. Yeah. And, you know, I just rewatched uh, Reloaded and, and Revolutions and it's just like, I need I to do it. I need to finally those, do the revisits. I remember how both those films were, you know, at the time they were received very poorly. Yeah. Everyone was like, like what me. is this? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and and then now, I mean, the reclamation is slow, right. but I guarantee you that people will go back to those films before uh, Resurrections comes out, and Resurrections is going to tear it all apart all over again, <laughs> and everyone's going to just be like, but wait a second, so now i got to wait 20 years until I can understand uh, Resurrections? Uh, yeah, and like, I will I just, fully it's, acquiesce it's that, the, that Matrix reloaded and Revolutions, uh, it's just too galaxy brain for me. Like, that's the I, the rubberiness of the effects that kind of limited them in certain well, ways. Well, there's like time. That, sure, there's like, that, like it's just a product of the time. It, like, that's not anybody's fault, but I, I remember that bugging me at the time. It was like, but you did such a good job in 99 and it looks so cool because you didn't try and do too much. But that was like the biggest yeah. thing that bothered me about the Matrix movies was they just started looking at video games at a certain point. As far as the content of them go, I don't understand to pretend. I don't pretend to understand Bjork. I don't pretend to understand. <laughs> Bjork is my girl. Movies. Don't, don't, don't. No, no, no. Don't I, don't, I, have no I don't have a negative word to say about Bjork because I just don't. I can't get on her level. So I'm like, Bjork, you're over there on the moon. And I love that about you. But if someone was like, what do you think about Bjork? I'd be like, I'm not qualified to have a thought about Bjork. <laughs> I'm not qualified to have an actual thought beyond like, it looked too much like a video game about revolutions Matrix. and Reloaded. I, I get it. I get it. That's fine. Like, I will, I, I like, mean, I, I, I respect art piece movies sure, like sure, that sure. and I just like, I'm like, hmm, yes. But now but I'm to, ready to, to go back and immerse in them. To Kenny's initial point, though, having watched, you know, recently having watched the trailer for The Matrix and yeah. seeing 
Lana bring it and just be like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to blow your mind all over again. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to destroy this franchise for you again. Oh. And I hope you're okay with that is just, is amazing. And I just, I, I, I wish that people use their powers for good rather than oh, evil. Right. Guys. Yes. Guys. Use your powers hard. for something. Use your powers <laughs> for something. Like, be, please be fearless. If you're rich enough to be okay forever, please yes. be more fearless. Like, oh, if this course. really is the last thing you're ever going to make, but you're good, then fucking go for broke. Like, yes. I just, you know, I had a fascinating conversation once with Gary Doberman, who makes not fascinating movies at all. He makes, like, Annabelle movies that are fun. He makes roller coaster movies. And I remember going into this interview with Gary, he, he's written multiple Annabelle's. He directed Annabelle Comes Home. Like, he's very much a, a, a tentpole of the Wanverse. He wrote It Chapter 2, which I don't like at all. Um, it Chapter going, 2 is awful. Off, it's awful. <laughs> what and is I remember fantastic. going into the movie, going into that interview with him, I was like, I only have one question I'm really interested in asking Gary, which is that, do you have, like, what's your big swing you want to take? Like, you are in. You are mm-hmm. in this prime dream position. You are, like, a screenwriter of record for, like, blockbuster sure. horror of the 2010s. And I asked, and he just, he was like, no, no, not really. Like, you know, I like, I like a roller coaster, man. Like, I just like, I like a theater. And I was like, sure. Okay. And you know what? Once I had the answer, I was good. Once I had the answer and was like, no, but what do you like? But there's got to be something that like ever since you were 16, you were like, if I if I was president, like if I was king of the world kind of thing. And he just doesn't have that. He just wants to keep making these like straight down the alley. And you know what? Bless him. Good for him. Keep doing it. But anybody who says they want to make something audacious, who is actually in the position to do so and doesn't like execute on that to the best of their ability. Maybe it gets the studio takes it from you. It gets fucking noted to death. Like the thing that makes me so mad about like justice league is the idea that it's talked about as anything audacious when it's just long, it's just long <laughs> and depressed. Like, and, and yeah, yeah, we do depressed now. That's a thing we put in art. Thank God there can be like emotional and mental health nuance to things, but like guys, this wasn't daring. It was just extra. Like, but can I also, the, I want to add, but the fucking I want to add a- Jupiter ascending. No, I want to add one other wrinkle to that too, because I don't necessarily think it needs to be so binary. Like I think about the fact that like, put your money where your mouth is, you know, Chris Nolan and buy a movie theater or, or decide to become, I wrote an entire essay about this that that supports a whole bunch of new filmmakers. You know, if you're, if you're so adamant and want to help with the, 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 filmmaking landscape than yes. do that and not just him i speak to i mean this goes for every filmmaker no that anybody who is on has, the level of like, qt who is not doing right. what they he's can buying to actually, movie theaters to, i to actually that. put yeah. Yeah. in front of people yeah. the way the way tarantino is it's like yeah. the, what do you like do you love this or not because this is your yeah. job isn't it like this well, is your industry this is you yeah. putting nice air on chairs in your offices to support your workforce like this is what you can do for these things martin scorsese is like, yes, director, Going but a, preser- yeah. a preservationist, yeah. an yeah. advocate of global cinema. Absolutely. Like, yeah. If, are you A-list and are you richer than God or not? Like, Kenny, do you something a, interesting did you have with something it. to say about that, Kenny? Nothing you're saying I disagree with. <laughs> I, I agree with every every word you're saying. Uh, the, the, the flip side of the coin, and this is what yeah. I was like saying in the beginning is, yeah. I was say, like, when I was, I was like, it's hard. But I wasn't saying like it's hard because it's a big. Did we lose Jordan? Yeah. No. Oh she's no, we there. got her. She's there. Uh, I wasn't saying it was hard. Oh, she muted. She I muted. Wasn't saying it was ended. Hard. Okay. 
Okay. I wasn't good. saying it was hard because uh, it's a big lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying it's hard for two reasons. One, not everybody's a Wachowski. Right, uh, and which I you don't guys know. Them that. Of I'm course, just, you everybody. I'm just saying knows. the people like, who want to take the cuts, I want them yeah. to take the cuts. But if people, you want to make, if you want to make I, down the line, I'm in for you. I back sometimes, you. and then again, I'm happy he did this, and it's not nice to really shit on him for it. But like sometimes you're Colin Trevorrow, and you're making the book of that guy, Henry, and the book of <laughs> Henry, book of that guy. and that's your and that's your big swing, and that is yeah. very clearly like this is my passion project. This is inside yeah. my my bones and like yeah. i think that that definitely falls more into like the more power to him than the ha ha sure. what a loser category i so it's it's partially like look it's hard like it's right. hard to do what the wachowskis do it's hard to do sure. it like you know to do um to do what, what david fincher or yeah sure. uh, yes i completely uh, agree the second thing is it is it is like you, your your story about Gary Dauberman is interesting to me because at some point when you do this and you work for other people for so long, you do start to like get into this mental health space, which is like right. it is a job, like it is a job, and the healthy way to 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 go through this and make sure. my living and not lose my mind spending 20 years trying to put together my passion project is to take the jobs that are given to me, do as well as I can Absolutely. And, be, and be a mechanic. And like, it's, it's depressing. Like it is an absolutely depressing moment when I started to realize like my crazy ass ideas for my twenties are things that I wouldn't even get near today. Right. You Interesting. Know? Okay. Okay. Like I don't have the, like, I don't have the guts. I don't have the time. I don't have like, I just don't have that brain anymore. My only but, question is, is there, is there a desire to, is like in, in the, in the recognition of that, is there a desire to want to return to those things or is the desire gone as well? Because well, if you don't good, want it, I don't want that for you. No, it's a good question, Jordan. The, 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 the answer is I really think the ability is gone. Now that doesn't mean I'm a worse writer. I want to say I believe the, in you. Oh no, it's, no, it's not that I'm a worse writer. It's that I'm a different writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I know. That's fair changed like i think evolve evolve seems like i've become better in some way but like i there are there are ideas i had when i was in my early 20s that were like you know like every writer who comes out here in their early 20s is around our age wants to be charlie kaufman and there's one charlie kaufman there's a reason there is really only one charlie kaufman and Mm -hmm. we all tried and now you know we've made our way and made our careers and like you know you 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 do what you can do at this point but yeah, it's 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 it, is the desire gone? That's a really hard question to answer because, like, for sure, you know, I because I mean, yeah, I have some crazy ass ideas that I think I can execute now, but the ones that are really out there, the ones that like, if they, the ones that like, the ones that I, you didn't know any better when you were coming up with them the first. It's time. Exactly right. The one, the one about the anthropomorphic rabbit who is suicidal. Who is actually a time traveler? Uh, is, that sounds is, like a short film I want to produce. That sounds great. Kenny. What's the <laughs> rabbit? Great film. Great film. 
His name is Suicidal Bunny. He, I never gave him a name. Uh, it's, <laughs> so it's well, not, not like, going to happen. A, as a as a as a as a as a somebody who's like on like as wanting to be a producer, and that is like what I'm building myself toward. I like I I have screenplays that I've written, and they are all the most like give me a four quadrant audience. This is a beatdown movie. The premise is oh. what's a cool way for people to die, and then like writing that. <laughs> right, right. And I think they're fun, and I think they're really good. But I want to get fucking rich so I can pay people with suicidal bunny ideas. To make their shit because I don't have the suicidal bunny brain. I don't have the Bjork brain. And like, hey, like you said, Christopher Nolan, if you've got that brain, why don't you create a film fund for people just like you to come up and have those opportunities? But like, look at Aaron, Aaron, uh, Justin Benson and uh, Aaron Moorhead who have made The Endless and Resolution and Synchronic was their biggest movie yet that they've done that came out last year. What they can do with $25,000 to blow your fucking mind, I want to get super rich so I can give more than 25,000 people, $25,000 to be able to blow my fucking mind because I am a populist, but like I want the people who aren't me to thrive and do interesting things. I think you're totally dead on. And I think, you know, the, the thing that's like, Deep inside of me, it's very similar to what you're talking about, is this idea that populism in, 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 in cinema is not what dummies think it is. It's, it's not, not simplistic. Yeah. It's not. Anytime it's, you want to have a Transformers safe. episode in some capacity, oh I am right there for oh you. Any, all right. Yeah, well, I was, was going <laughs> to say one other thing. I can't remember. Oh, don't give them too much money. That was the problem with yeah. this movie. Yes. Like that, yes. like this, yeah, this, this movie, movie didn't need this much money. This if this movie, was a $15 million movie, probably would have been, been better. If it was yes. a $5 million movie, the only movies that, that really work. Uh, it's funny. Cause you know, people are saying, uh, uh, what, but the, the matrix is going to be like, I read the article you, you sent me Phil. Mm-hmm. matrix, you know, has that, like um, the new matrix has that gremlins Two or Texas Chainsaw yes. massacre Two. Mm. Uh, energy yeah. commentary yeah. on how crazy it is that we are actually doing this right. at this point in our lives. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is weirdly this, like what this could be, Ninth Gate, right? It is Texas Chainsaw weirdly, Massacre 2 is also good. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's weirdly like it could be this because he probably had what a million dollars to make that movie and it, like, <laughs> maybe if that, if yeah, that, yeah. And, and and he uh, he just used every tool in his in his, in his tool belt. A, a movie that I that I talk about constantly, The Neon Demon, I think is a really good example of this because a if you watch it with the director's commentary, I would highly recommend if you have any interest in this movie whatsoever because Refn like at, at multiple at, at least three or four times throughout the commentary, he reminds people he's like, and remember we're watching a comedy right now in the most dry and like a a apathetic way. He reminds people you're, it's okay to laugh. You're watching a comedy. Like the, the, um, he wanted every genre to exist in this movie and he's having a lot of fun. And I could see like, if you just dismiss it out of hand, that's completely fine if it's not your thing. But if Mm -hmm. you're willing to engage with all the things that it's trying to do, it is trying to make every kind of movie at the same time, which is to me a, a worthy big swing endeavor, but it also is so much cheaper than you think it is. Like he talks like, he's like, well, at that point, it, at a certain point he talks about like a wardrobe item. He's like, at that point, $500 was a million dollars to me. And I just couldn't spend that. And so you're watching this movie that like is built around beauty and the worship of it and like models and things that imply expensive and that imply money, fashion, 
you know, beauty, gorgeous women, nice restaurants, like photo shoots, spectacular. And he's doing it all on a shoestring. And also he's doing it with an actress who's 15 at the time and Elle Fanning. And he asks her in the commentary, do you think it's weird to do this kind of movie at this age? And she, he's like, would you have done, would you do anything differently now that you're 18? And she's like, you know, I think it makes it better that I'm this age. And he's like, honestly, I do too. Cause if you'd been 18, when I would have made this, I would have done a lot more to you. Like I would have put you through a lot more in this movie, but because of the restraints, because of the constraints forced by the facts, the budget, mm. the age of the starlet, he had to make different choices that I think completely strengthened the integrity of the movie. Because if mm-hmm. he had been allowed to do everything he could have afforded to, or his imagination could have allowed him to with an adult of age actress, this movie would have been like a fucking hat on a hat. It would have been like, Jesus, we get it. I feel horrible. There's, sexual violence probably here that I don't want to see. Like it probably would have been past the point to a a degree of exploitativeness that would have been like, actually you've lost the plot and you're just like enjoying torture now. But because of the constraints he had and because of the corners that he had to cut, it actually made the movie better. And this movie, I think the ninth gate got to indulge too much. Me too. I, I can't believe I just looked up the neon demon. I can't believe that movie's five years old. I mean, if you would like the movie's to, fucking great, to, if you would like <sighs> to spend, if you'd like to spend hours uh, learning about it, you can listen to the Neon Demon podcast that I do with Roxana Haddadi and William O. Tyler. We go. I will definitely check in. that out. I need to rewatch the Neon Demon. I saw it in theaters, and I I'm going to watch it with two friends next week. I need to watch it again because I, I do remember post drive. It does feel like uh, Refn had this moment when yeah. everyone's like, "This is the guy." Yep. And and then he made like two movies that everyone was just like, "Is this the guy?" This like the I guy? don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Completely. And, and, and I think that I need it, to it, watch Neon Demon again. It felt I, I would, more. I, I, it hope felt, I would like for you to. Yeah. It felt less like "Is this the guy?" and more like the. Oh, we didn't know he was doing this. Like we didn't know. We gave yeah. him, like it was like it was like yeah. it was like yeah. we we gave you permission to do whatever you want, but we didn't yeah. think it was going to be this. Well, it's, yeah. it's like because like it does feel like Drive was obviously a moment, and it's a great yeah, movie, a moment, and yeah. and and it's and it is interesting, Kenny, because it does feel like everyone's like Drive's fucking awesome, but yeah. no one watched any of the movies. I was going to say, but no one Drive. watched anything so, from Denmark. So no one Nobody. expected that when he got his blank check with Drive that he would go and make these movies that are completely yeah. you know alienating and strange but yeah so uh, i want to rate this movie real quick uh mm-hmm. and then i want to get your thoughts on what we're covering next week because i'm curious if you've seen it i'm sure you've seen it maybe you've seen it it's a horror Ooh. movie so i'm sure you've seen it but oh, i hope i've seen it. um so i saw this in 99 in the theater um mm-hmm. and i remember thinking um this is really boring and I'm pretty sure I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I probably would have given it a 40 back then just because I, I just don't think that I really, I certainly didn't like it, but like, I don't think I gave it much thought. Yeah. Yeah. For this podcast, I was at a 32. Mm. Um, after this podcast, I'm at a 27. Like this movie is just dropping mm. uh, as I continue to think about it. And as we continue, because I think it's just, and I don't mean to sort of belabor the point, but I'll just say that it just feels like a wasted opportunity. Like, right, I think right, right. that we've been you. talking about this movie for over an hour, hour and a half now. And and I do feel like... And we mostly talk about other movies. <laughs> and we talk about other things too. But but <laughs> I will say but I mean, that like, like... To the point, like, we're mostly talking about other movies when we could be talking about The Ninth Gate because, like, we're like, The Ninth Gate? Well, but it's it's... I think that we all agree that it's like, in the time that we've talked about it, that there's just a, there's something here. Mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just been wasted. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and the, not just the money, but just like, there's a lot of talent here. Yeah. It's just not, 
that's just not being, um, you know, uh, capitalized on. Kenny, what did you think? Where are you at? Uh, you know, what's weird, Phil, is I started in a very, sim- very similar spot, uh, 37. Mm. And before this, and I, I was, I'm going up. Uh, Ooh, I'm exciting. Gonna go, I'm, I'm gonna go up to a 47. Um interesting. All I don't right. think this is a good movie. Uh-huh. Right. But I like I also don't think like we talked about it. I don't think we avoided talking about it the way we avoid talking about some movies. Mm, and, I think, and, and I think the things that uh we did talk about are kind of fond memories for me. The, <laughs> the after, I love the that. After, the aftertaste of this movie is not as bad as mm. I thought it would be because going down, it's pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to watch this movie, you're going to, you're going to sit there and hate it and hate us. Yeah. After, <laughs> don't, don't watch this movie guys. But after <laughs> there is, there, it's like, if you really think about the silly and the funny and the uh, goofy, uh, it's not that bad. It's, it's like <laughs> I'm going 47. That's what All I'm right. I have to shout out, I have to shout out one moment in this movie that was, I think, yeah. maybe the peak of ridiculous to me when Johnny Depp and the girl are, uh, they're breaking into, um, Telfair, Mrs. Telfair's apartment. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Or, <clears throat> sorry, hotel room because they're going to steal back the book, but she's already left. And they get close to the door. They're at the door mm-hmm. right as the bellhop inside is opening it to take out the bags and they scurry off. <laughs> like they don't, they're not going to be seen. They are right in front of this man's fucking eyes. That's they inc- are six <laughs> inches away from his body squarely. And der- it's not uh, like he opens it behind him and you just see his back and he turns and they're gone. He is standing right yeah, in front. Right. All he's doing it's is slightly shit. looking down and two adult humans just go whoop and like Scooby gang out of the way. It's great. And it's like, wait, he didn't see them. He didn't this see is, them. But this is, again, this all just feels like it's all just tone that I'm like, <laughs> yeah. is this real or is this, is this mean, real? Yeah. Is this real? I, so I, what was your uh, what's your rating on on Ninth Gate, uh, Jordan? I feel I feel like I was probably OK. I would say that, that when I first when I first saw it coming into this, I was probably like a 40. It was just like I'm okay. not a, I'm not offended by what's happening here, but I'm, right. I'm barely entertained. <laughs> but I think for me, it does. It does go. I like Kenny's reaction. I think for me, it does go down to like a 30, 25, 20, okay. 27 because of it, because the question of the resources and the like, wow, when you have this much in your deck and you don't capitalize it, I feel almost a sense of offense oh, for like sure. the people who do so yeah. much more with so much less. That's um, if you're going to be a convicted rapist. And have carte blanche in front of you. Um, and you're going to make a snoozer with your cultural pass that you're getting. Like, go fuck yep. yourself. In seven more ways than I already thought, go fuck yourself. You're here. Um, yeah. So well, next I don't know. week. 47, that's what he gets. Next but week. Yeah, I, I like your response. I, because like, but I will say, well. the I will say the, the, uh, the, this, like the value of the this part of the post game. Yeah, it's an eighty. This is a fucking ninety. There you go. That's like, the best this part. Is, this there is this is one of like there's a classification of movies that belongs in. My friend, the director Sam Weinman, hosts a weekly movie night where he does double features, and we he came on Disaster Girls recently, and we talked about Poseidon from two thousand and six, and yeah. my and him and my co-host Amanda they gave it much. They gave it four towering infernos, which is our evaluation system. I gave it two, but I was like, you know, what? it's a two tower movie. How many is it movie, out of five? Five towering infernos. Okay. okay. I was like, this is a two tower movie. What does towering a, inferno get? Uh, five towering infernos. Okay, okay. It, it got it. 
Um, yeah, it, it landed. It stuck the landing. Okay. It's a two. I was like, this is a two towering infernos movie with a four towering infernos con- conversational experience. Like mm-hmm. this yes, movie, this, sure. I would have so much fun with a movie like this at movie night at Sam's house where we are all shouting at the yes, screen yes, 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 and turning yeah. it into a midnight madness experience yes. because there's enough absurdity to have it be an engaging call and response and experience. Totally, so totally. for that, it is definitely like the movie itself remains low in its yeah. score, but the capital of interacting with the movie with a willing set of participants around you, high value, high Good value. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so next week, Jordan, we are doing the movie Bats. Have you seen the film? I Bats? haven't seen Bats. So uh, I assume Bats, it's, it's animals, animal bats. It is animal bats. That's right. It okay. stars uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Yes. It's written by John Logan. <laughs> Okay. Um, it uh, it came out in in October of uh, of 1999, um, and we're going to be talking about bats next week with <laughs> uh, with Danielle Savory and Barrett Doss from uh, from Station 19. They're coming back to talk about bats. Awesome. All 91 minutes of it with credits. I love that. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm. I mean, listen, Kenny and I have talked. We've been talking about doing bats for for a while now. Bats, um, <laughs> bats are my greatest fear. Are they now- really? Uh, I didn't dude, know that. Yes, yes. And they, they, they really look fucking crazy in this film. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna this is this is nightmare fuel. I'm excited. Oh, that's for great. This. There's like Oh my god, like, it has Dina Meyer too. Yes, oh, this yes, is great yes. news. There's it's like got, a it's, uh, scene it, where a bat who looks like a pug is like I gotta look up mounting somebody. I am oh this is a great poster. They, they look yeah. like pugs, dude. They're like pug bats. Oh shit. Yeah, no, these look great. There's also a sequel that came out in 2007 called Bats Human Harvest. More <laughs> bats. Oh, which I you know, <laughs> More bats? They just should have yeah. called it more bats. More bats. Uh, bats here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know, listen, bats. What, what's bats. not to love? It's a uh, small that's town. That's, you know, Everything. Bats, bats are the worst. And the scariest. <laughs> That's. I mean, I've never seen a bat in real life. Have you, Kenny? Are you kidding? You didn't have bats at your camp? No. I've only seen them in flight. Like, I've never seen a bat up close. Oh, oh, guys, guys, (laughs) guys. I mean. So when that little video goes around of Sattler the fruit bat, who's really old on Twitter, do you get really upset, Kenny? It really upsets Kenny. Well, the thing about it, I mean, truly, I'm not afraid of almost anything. I'm scared to death of bats. They're disgusting. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we had bats at camp, so we would like have like oh, situations okay. where they would like be flying around the mess hall and flying around oh. the rec hall. Oh, okay. oh, and Norm Laxo, the the head counselor, was like sixty. <laughs> go after it with a broom. I mean, if I saw one it. in real life, I probably because I mean, obviously, I've seen pictures of them, and they are yeah. a very disturbing looking creature. Sometimes they're adorable. Like the yeah, weird thing they can is look like, like the, little puppies, little bears. They're the yeah. cutest sometimes. <laughs> but and then apparently. Yeah. Thank God I wasn't there. Uh-huh. But at my parents' house in, in Westchester, mm-hmm. my sister and, and brother-in-law went to go stay there. Yeah. And they found a fucking flapping bat like on the floor. Oh, like, oh Jesus. We have bats it's, so, there, obviously. it's so erratic and intense in its yeah. It's yeah. very destabilizing. And they there's also something they, that, they, that they can see yeah, in the it's dark like human is also skin. upsetting. 
Yeah, their their wings are very skin like, which is upsetting. Yeah. And that they, and that you, you and that you know that they can see you at night, like and that they Phil. have night vision all the time. <laughs> that you're just and, like. Yeah. And Phil, you know they are the rabies guys. They're the rabies guys. <laughs> they're, the, they're, they're also the COVID guys. They may oh. be the COVID guys. Did you did you guys did you I, I, see I think, the thing that was going around recently that was like it was going around on Twitter and somebody photo they're like. I op- like went to put my headphones on and it felt weird and I took them off and I found this and there was a tiny bat curled up in the Stop it. in the can of the headphone. A tiny bat. That's that is nightmare fuel. Kenny, Kenny is currently <laughs> Kenny cradling is coping. his head. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. And like just like the little wing, it's all curled up. You are in talking the about my nightmares. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't want bats in my life Uh, so like this is actually something that i think might scare me um i I don't get i don't get scared in horror movies but this is like that thing that like might fuck me up here's what what i'm excited about there's there's a very real chance that this will be a live episode for us too so we'll get to watch come on kenny's reactions live Wow! Uh, as as we see, I feel like this so is it becomes payback. like a mystery science theater style, like yes. in real time. Gotcha. Right. We'll, we'll we'll be on Zoom watching bats uh, potentially live um, with uh, with Danielle and Barrett. So, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on and talking. Thank about you so much for having me again. I so enjoy talking with you guys. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.